Welcome to Spew, Spectrum People Enjoying Wizardry. I'm Queerness, and I have Asperger's Syndrome. I'm Lavender, and my daughter, Abby Kadabi, has nonverbal autism. And I now call this 24th meeting of Spew to order. good i am heavily caffeinated this morning while we're recording and i am great <laughs> i am going to florida for the bob ross classes yay a lot of stuff happened very very quickly that made it very possible. quickly because <laughs> my parents are just like we're gonna buy a camper and i was like oh so and then they bought a camper like three days later it is much cheaper to get campgrounds than trying to stay in a hotel especially for a month oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure it is because they offer much cheaper monthly rates so give a little more detail this is dear listeners this is so exciting for both of us i'm very happy for queerness because he has wanted to do this for a bit now and we didn't think that it was gonna happen like there was no way that it could happen no because it's the overall upfront cost is generally very expensive because you have to spend a month in Florida. Exactly. Plus, the idea is to teach classes, and therefore all the supplies for a classroom set for painting is not cheap. It is also terribly expensive. <laughs> and so this situation just kind of lined up that I could do this since I've been laid off. I've just been like, I need a new career path because nothing I've tried so far is working for me. So, so it's a three-week class in which you learn painting and teaching and running a small business. I am really excited and I'm not even going, but I'm just very excited for you because this is going to be awesome. Way to go, queerness. I'm happy for you. Got anything going on in your household? No, not really. Kind of same old, same old. You know, you, you actually did write to me. It's been a couple months now. There's been a lot that has happened in the last couple months. And all of our schedule has been all over the place. Yeah. But you, you were writing to me about how you said Abby Cadabby's therapist thought that she might be capable of verbal speech as well as with a tablet. And you were really upset by this for some reason. And I'm still kind of confused. So I wasn't upset. So yes, this did happen. We got Abby back into a nice routine of ABA. She goes like four days a week for a few hours at a time. She really seems to enjoy it. I mean, this place is all tricked out with all the sensory amazingness you could ever want. They've got a trampoline, a swing, crash pads, just all of Abby's favorite things. So she really loves it and she's doing really well. But her therapist just mentioned to me that they think that she is capable of a lot more verbal speech than we have seen really in her entire 10 years of life. And I'm not upset that they said that they thought she was capable. I'm upset that I as her mother maybe didn't see that because I didn't think that she was capable. That's why I was upset. 
because I am her mother. And I feel like that should be apparent to me. If it's going to be apparent to anybody, it should be apparent to me. Does that make more sense? Yeah. That's why I was upset. I was like, I have... I haven't done my daughter justice because I have under, I've underestimated her. And that was upsetting to me. And it still is. Because especially now that the therapists have brought that to our attention, I, I see it more now. I see it every day. She, I don't know if she is just now trying harder because they push her more in therapy to do more verbal communication. And so now she's trying to do it more at home as well. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm just now seeing it because it's been brought to my attention. And it may be a little of both. Right. But she is. She's trying so much harder. She's... I can see her trying and she'll move her mouth to try to make the, you know, the initial sound of whatever word, like, okay, pop-pop. That one's pretty common in our house. A pop-pop is a popsicle (laughs) um, that she is obsessed with. And I can see her trying to do the p noise with her lips and she doesn't really say it, but she'll try to make that noise with her lips. But if I say it, if I say you want a pop-pop, then she will say pop-pop. It's like she has a hard time figuring out which word is the right one. Like she's running through the list in her mind and she can't find the right one. And then when I say it, it clicks. She's like, oh yeah, that's what it is. Pop, pop. I almost, and and this is something of someone who's not had uh, speaking issues as much. I almost feel like the vibration of the vocal cords is almost a sensory issue. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that that makes complete sense to me. Which also leads me to, have you done sign language with her at all? A little bit here and there because I used I used to be, let me stress that, I used to be fluent in sign language. I used to have a crush on the deaf boy in middle school, so I learned sign language so I could talk to him. But I've tried a few, you know, please, thank you, play, and a couple others here and there. And she gets the general direction that her hand should move in, but it's like the very fine motor of it. Mm. You know, with how the fingers should be positioned that she seems to struggle with. And then if you have, if you're struggling with the fine motor of it, it's harder to keep each sign, each word separate. You know what I mean? Right, right. They have to be very specific. So I think she is also fully capable of learning sign as well. I think it's just, it's a struggle as well. They also commented that, her therapist commented that, um, because my daughter got her tablet that she uses for talking, for communication through the school system that she's in Mm -hmm. and it was given to her i mean that is hers to keep and if anything ever happens to it they take care of the repair or anything like that replacement Um, but it is hers but it was given to us by the school system and her therapist said that the school system is quick to use technology as an alternative instead of trying to actually work on actual speech which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had never heard that before. It it does seem like a bit of a shortcut, and since it works, why not take the shortcut? Yeah, I th- yeah. Moving on to important dates this month. Well, for the last half of the month, we've got a few important ones. Yes, of course. July 30th is, of course, Neville Longbottom's birthday. And July 31st is, of course, Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling's birthday. Mm-hmm. 
Some deaths. Uh, July 27th is when Alistair Moody and Hedwig both die. A couple uh, actor birthdays. Um, the 20th is Jeff Rawls' birthday. He played Amos Diggory. Uh, the 21st is Jamie Waylett's birthday. He played Crab. Uh, the 22nd is Reese Eifen's birthday. Xenophilius Lovegood. The 23rd is Daniel Radcliffe's birthday. The 26th is David Hyman's birthday. He's the producer of all the movies. 27th is Raid Sherbegia. You have a guess on that? Uh, mm, nope. Sherbegia sounds right. <laughs> he played Grigorovich. And then on the 30th is Francis de la Tour, uh, who played Maxime. And on 31st is... Richard Griffiths, he played Vernon. Lots of birthdays in the last 10 days of the month. Yeah, goodness gracious. Happy birthday to all. <laughs> that would have been easier. Happy birthday to everybody involved with Harry Potter <laughs> for the month of July. <laughs> and then what are we talking about today, queerness? So today we are covering the second third of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire as a metaphor for autism, covering chapters 13 through 24. Mm -hmm. And so we jump right into Mad-Eye Moody. You had a lot of notes for this chapter and I really didn't. <laughs> well, I had a lot of notes, but I don't know what they all mean. Uh, queerness. <laughs> oh, at the beginning of this chapter, Hermione is eating again. And her reason for eating is there are better ways to care for elf rights. She's formulating a plan. Also, she was hungry. <laughs> We're also introduced to the Scroots, which Hagrid knows nothing about. We later learn because these are the very first Scroots because he bred them. But they're caring for an unknown magical creature this year. He bred them illegally, I think is important to note. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of bad decisions from Hagrid. <laughs> yeah. But now Hermione is on a mission. She has a plan for the elves and she disappears for a couple chapters because she has a mission. And I found this very like if I have a plan, I'll disappear into my room for a week at a time. And <laughs> Yeah, she disappeared to the library for a couple chapters. And then just a observation. Professor Trelawney makes a prediction that the thing you dread will indeed come to pass. This is the first day of class, and this is also, in the last book, something she says on the first day of class, which ended up being about a rabbit, maybe? Yeah, it was about, um, it ended up being about Lavender's rabbit. She had told Lavender specifically in, in uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban. She turned to Lavender yeah. and said, the thing you dread will come to pass. I just found it interesting that she starts off the class with the same exact prediction. It means nothing. <laughs> well, McGonagall says as much too in the third in the third year. Whose death has she predicted this time? <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the wonderful ferret scene <laughs> in which McGonagall asks, What are you doing? And Mad Eye replies, Teaching. And she says, Teaching? Is that a student? And I just love the the way it's worded in the book because her revelation that it's a student only because his response is that he's teaching. I love it. Yeah, no, that's a that's a classic scene that never gets old. And the 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 way it's done in the movie is different 
but also quite enjoyable. Because this exact conversation doesn't happen, but it doesn't need to. (laughs) She just goes straight to, is that a student? My only takeaway was when Malfoy is reading out loud from the prophet about something involving Ron's dad, and now I can't remember what it was, but they get... They get Arthur's name wrong, and Malfoy says to Ron, he says, it's almost as if he's a complete non-entity, isn't it? And I don't know why, but that, number one, that really made me mad. And I could see it because a lot of people, especially if you are non-verbal, a lot of people just write you off as a non-entity because you're not speaking, and that's something that continuously has to be advocated against. And maybe that's why it rubbed me the wrong way. That whole... Due to the fact that he was the first person out of the woods at the Quidditch World Cup and they asked for a statement and he's just like, I don't have a statement to make. And so Rita Skeeter turns that into the ministry doesn't know what they're doing. And it's like, no, it's just right. That's not his job. (laughs) Then we move on to the unforgivable curses. And I found it interesting that when Avada Kedavra was mentioned, Everyone knew what it was, or most everyone knew what it was, but they went this whole time almost like pretending they didn't know it, because no one offered it up. I don't know, I I just noticed that and thought it was an interesting takeaway. Always. Also, constant vigilance. Elfish is spelt wrong. I I don't know. Why is it elfish and not elvish? (laughs) This always has bothered me. Now that you pointed out, I'm uncomfortable. I see what you mean. (laughs) Also, Harry hates himself for telling Sirius about the scar because it puts Sirius in danger. And that is something that I very much understand this concept of something I did has possibly hurt someone else. And that is unforgivable. Yeah, we kind of start out in this section of the book before anything, you know, really pertaining too much to the story really happens. And Harry is just not in a good place from the get-go. Mm-mm. And I just uh, found it funny that <laughs> Ron tells Hermione, you know, we've been working like house elves here and sees Hermione's reaction and very quickly adds, it's just an expression. After realizing, you know, after saying it out loud, how, <laughs> how uh, bad his timing and dumb it sounds out loud is. <laughs> it's... It's very relevant to the times we're in at the moment. Isn't it? In which a lot of things that we just take for granted, people are finally realizing are actually quite offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I find it very relevant to the times right now. Hermione also has protested against a teacher using the imperious curse just because you're not supposed to use it. Therefore, the teacher shouldn't use it. It's against the law. She, she likes following rules or making other people follow the rules. She definitely enjoys making other people follow the rules. It makes me very uncomfortable when other people don't follow the rules. Yeah. The rules are there for a reason. And then this one's not really relevant, but I really like (laughs) Hermione saying, excuse me, but I don't like people just because they're handsome. To which Ron gives a loud false cough, which sounded oddly like Lockhart. (laughs) Lockhart. It's kind of sad that he's just like in the hospital for the rest of his life and not participating. I wish he would return. Had that memory modified though. (laughs) Also, several grimy portraits had been scrubbed, much to the displeasure of their subjects. (laughs) This makes me giggle. (laughs) It's 
very much that we dislike change, even if change is better. I don't like change, even if it means I'm taking a bath. (laughs) (laughs) Still talking about the unforgivable curses when Moody is performing them on all of the students. Mm -hmm. One of the things that struck me was when Moody used the imperious curse on Harry, and what was said was Harry felt a floating sensation as every thought and worry in his head was wiped gently away leaving nothing but a vague happiness. And for people with anxiety, I understand how this sounds just great. I mean, to me, that sounds great. Just, you know, a nice little, a slate wipe, if you will. And then I started started going down the rabbit hole of thought, like, is that how it feels to get some really awesome, like, sensory input? It kind of reminds me of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which is about a mental institute who basically give all of their patients drugs to keep them in a zombie-like state to make them easier to care for, and this guy comes in and takes them all off their meds to force them to actually take care of them. No longer zombie-like. Yeah, no no longer blissfully unaware. (laughs) Hermione is impatient that no one else had read the books that she had. I I feel like this quite often. (laughs) The idea that people don't research stuff baffles me. Hermione's definitely a lot snippier about it in in this chapter. And then she kind of goes on a rant about the incomplete, biased version of Hogwarts of history. Just a small little paragraph long rant, (laughs) but she goes on a little rant about it. (laughs) She is not happy that the Hogwarts of history has failed her. (laughs) That is an interesting way to put it. It is, yes, it has failed her. But you can't apparate inside the Hogwarts grounds. Says, how often do I have to tell you? <laughs> does she does she bring this up once a book? I feel like yeah, I think you're right. At least once every year, if not more. And then when the schools finally show up and Hagrid's not there, I was really worried about the scroots. <laughs> <laughs> I know you seem as I read your notes <laughs> for the rest of this book, you seem very uh partial to the scroots. I like animals. I, okay, on the flip side of that coin, I for some reason love the Bobatons horses. (laughs) And I want to learn more about them. They drink mead, single malt mead. Or fire whiskey. So we got drunk, giant horses (laughs) running around. And I want to learn more about them. (laughs) I also love that in this chapter, you know, when we first meet the horses and Madame Maxine is telling Dumbledore, you know, my horses need a firm hand. And Dumbledore says, oh, don't worry. You know, Hagrid is completely up for the task. And Maxine's just very non-believing. <laughs> <laughs> and Dumbledore just has complete faith in Hagrid. I love it. And then in the next chapter, when they're at the feast and they have foods from the other countries, <laughs> Ron eats some gross stuff, but not that gross stuff. Not any foreign to him gross stuff (laughs) he eats like black pudding and liver but not that well i also think black pudding and liver isn't that like common british it is it is very british it's a very common british food so they might not see it as gross whereas here in the states you and i are like that's disgusting black pudding is like blood pudding oh oh (laughs) Why is that a thing? That I know. We as Americans don't get it, but to them that's a that's a really common and traditional food. Also, why does Harry's bacon have rinds? I miss that. He is eating his bacon and he gives his rinds to Hedwig. What does that mean? Oh, cuz I tried looking it up and all I could find is like 
pork rinds, which is not what was described. Maybe their bacon is different. Uh, we have to find out. We're going to figure that well, out. Well, their bacon is different, too. I, British people and bacon saddens me. <laughs> then our golden trio goes down to Hagrid's for the first time in a while. And uh, <laughs> they see Hagrid in his fancy wear. <laughs> and this has always, always, always confused me ever since the first time I read these books. But why is Hagrid's fancy wear a hairy brown suit. Why is it hairy? I don't know. Why does he only have one tie? <laughs> I don't know. And then to top it all off, Hagrid puts in pigtails. It's not really clear what he does with his hair. But I need to know why is his suit hairy? That has always bothered me for years and years. I, you don't think it's faux fur? It's probably not faux fur. It's probably not faux fur. It's Hagrid. <laughs> Hagrid's confusing. And then, as they were describing the rules of the age line, I'm like, can't they just get an older student to put their name in the cup? And then in the next chapter, that is definitely a workaround that Dumbledore is aware of. Of course. He's, but he has confidence that none of his students would actually try it. He's got too much faith in those younger kids, man. <laughs> I, I think it is more of, I guess because they're magical, he knows that they're going to try to get past the line through magic rather than actually just doing it through logic. Because <laughs> that is exactly what happens. Hmm. And then we find out what, what happened to the Scroots. The only trouble is they start killing each other. <laughs> um. But there were still about 20 left, and Hagrid completely misses the sarcasm from Ron when he says, Oh, that's that's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> It just goes right over Haggard's head. <laughs> when Harry goes into the room with the other champions, it strikes him how very tall all of them were. I was very short, like, all through high school, and even into college a little. I've just always been very short, so that spoke to me. As well say, that struck you. <laughs> Cedric was looking politely bewildered. I feel like that describes Cedric in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... <sighs> It's a sentence that I'm like, I don't know what this means, but yes. But yes, exactly. Cedric Diggory, everyone. And, and then everyone is complaining. And then Moody says, if anyone has a reason to complain, it's Potter. But funny thing, I don't hear him saying a word. Well, because he couldn't. He is very much casting suspicion off from him by explaining his whole plan to them. Right. Yeah, no, Barty Crouch did um, excellent with his role as Mad-Eye Moody. He is a very smart, horrible person. Yeah, which is scary. It's very scary. Bagman is still clueless. Mm -hmm. Nothing else to say to that. Bagman is still clueless. And Lee Jordan had unearthed a Gryffindor banner from somewhere. <laughs> that is also something that I do. Oh, I have the perfect thing hidden in this closet over here. <laughs> I know where all the random things that are prudent to very specific situations that no one else knows are there. That is a true fact. I can very much vouch for that. In this chapter, so this is the chapter after Harry's name gets called from the Goblet of Fire. And a couple things that really bothered me are once Harry's name is called, Hermione and Ron are just staring at Harry. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are literally just staring blankly. They're not... They don't seem, I don't know. That just really rubs me. The, like, you're literally just staring at your best friend. You guys both know that he didn't put them himself in this situation. Y'all know that. 
And they're just staring. Yeah. Making him feel even more ostracized. Osteoporosized. Osteoporosized. No. (laughs) Another thing that bothers me is really until the end of the book, nobody mentions that when Harry's name is called out, when his when the piece of paper with his name comes out, that there's a different school listed and that Harry's name was entered because of that. They put him under a different school. Like, that never comes to light. No, like, like Mo- Moody brings this up as probably what happened. But you would think Dumbledore would have the knowledge of what school it was. Exactly. But it's never... Unless it wasn't actually written on it and it was just confunded into believing it. I guess that is a possibility, but I feel like that's a huge clue. If that's what happened, if there was another school listed on the piece of parchment that said Harry Potter's name, Mm -hmm. and that just never coming up, that bothers me. That's a huge, that's a plot hole. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, well, maybe. Mm, Maybe not a plot hole, but it needs to be addressed. Right. And then I also share in Harry's anger when Fleur describes him as a little boy. Yeah. That is like the worst. Yeah. Like I said, because throughout high school, I was very short. Most people, like, if they didn't know me, assumed I was like a freshman when I was a senior. Oh, really? Yeah. It's always you who gets all the attention. You know it is. I know it's not your fault. Was that Hermione talking about Ron? Yeah, it was Hermione talking to Harry, trying to explain why Ron is mad in the next chapter, in the Wayne of the Wands. I also very much feel like this is one of those, you're special, so you get all the attention. You know you get more attention than everyone else, and you don't want more attention than everyone else, but you get it anyway. Yeah, I can see where you would draw that parallel. He had an urge to say something about the large weight of anxiety that seemed to have settled inside his chest since last night, but he couldn't think of how to translate it into words. This is an all the time. Yep. Yeah, just a a, a constant. (laughs) This is a, if you need a way to describe how autism feels, this sentence right here. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then Hedwig was mad at him. It was cute. (laughs) Her anger was cute. (laughs) I love when animals are mad at people. Because they're they're so petty and I love it so much. (laughs) My cat is mad at me because I am taking him with me to Florida. (laughs) And so he has been in the camper. I bought him a collar with a name tag. And so... He's mad at me because I put a collar on him. Mad at me because I keep taking him outside. Are you going to get like a little harness and leash for him? I don't think that would happen. When (laughs) when you put stuff on him, he tends to turn into cat pudding and not move. So I don't think a harness would work. (laughs) Poor kitty. So so he's just a little bit mad at me at the moment. Oh, they get to take the scoots for a walk. (laughs) To to keep them from killing each other because they need exercise. Yeah, they got to work out some of that uh, frustration, man. One of my takeaways here is when, (laughs) when Harry is writing his letters to Sirius, he is very vague, but also to the point. He writes letters like a high school student. Well. (laughs) They're very formal and also very vague and to the point. Which is kind of 
you know, a contradiction, but he is. He's very vague, but then he gets his point across in about a paragraph, signs it, and sends it off. (laughs) And I feel like this chapter is when we see Harry potentially at his loneliest, maybe Mm -hmm. his lowest, you know, almost emotionally until we get into, um, you know, book seven. But while at Hogwarts, definitely, I think this is when Harry is at his lowest emotionally. He doesn't have his best friend. He feels like literally everything is going wrong for him. Hedwig is mad at him. Ron isn't talking to him. He is pitted against Cedric, who he feels embodies the role of school champion a lot more perfectly than Harry does. And it's just, it makes me sad. Mm -hmm. I hate seeing this part of growth for Harry because it's always really sad. But I'm glad Hermione always sticks around. Yes. She actually, in this chapter, kind of, she lets up on Spew because Harry needs her. Yeah. Here's a fun Dumbledore quote. I will be delighted to hear the reasoning behind the rudeness, Rita, said Dumbledore with a courteous bow and smile. But I'm afraid we'll have to discuss that matter later. Yeah, Dumbledore handling rude and ignorant people is always such a favorite of mine because he does it so well and with such class. Such style. Ollivander really doesn't like wands made by other people. He is very critical of them, yes. (laughs) He's just like, oh, that's not how I would have done it. And then he's just like, oh, I remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, his, his ability to recall every wand that he's ever sold is just magnificent, is it not? I kind of feel like after reading this section, though, that it might be slightly exaggerated due to the fact that he is able to figure out what their cores are just by looking at the other ones. Mm-hmm. He, he's in, inferring and they confirm it, but he knows a lot about their wands just by looking at them, which I feel is a people seem to think I'm smarter than I think I am. I... I'm just good at problem solving and putting things together with the knowledge I have, which people seems to think I just know it. I, why are people bad at computers? Don't ask me. Look, I am I'm about to be 30 this year and I'm signing up for an advanced Excel class. Well, I'm looking up an advanced Excel class to sign up for. So I'm a bad person to ask this question. <laughs> And just for a reference here, since I am what I would consider a personal friend of yours, I think you're incredibly smart, and it bothers me that you don't realize how smart you are. I feel like I'm as smart as you should be and that other people shouldn't be so stupid. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing talking about the wands, there is this interesting statement about Harry's wand. As far as he was concerned, its relationship to Voldemort's wand was something it couldn't help. Rather, as he couldn't help being related to Aunt Petunia. I liked that statement. I do too. Shows the empathy that Harry has. (laughs) Even if it's just for a wand. Also, Crumb kind of fits a stereotype for autism that you don't really hear about a lot. And it's very physically based. He is slumped, rounded-shouldered, with duck feet. He hates attention and is quiet. Hmm. I never thought about that, but yeah, you're correct. Got a trivia question for you. The night Harry woke up from the nightmare of seeing Voldemort kill the old muggle man, what book had he fallen asleep reading? We'll go to Gringotts and we'll be right back. (laughs) 
This is Jeffrey, the financial advisor for SPEW at Gringotts Bank. And now we return to SPEW. Alright, Lavender, what book did Harry wake up from his nightmare after he had fallen asleep reading? This is a really good trivia question. It is. I found this question. I'm like, wow, that's a really good one. I like that one. Yeah. Um. Do you want the multiple choice? I think we should give our listeners the multiple choice. Yes. Our multiple choice options are Quidditch Through the Ages, Flying with the Cannons, A History of Magic, or Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. My initial answer is... Quidditch through the ages, but I'm going to go with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. That feels right to me for some reason. So I, my initial thought was Quidditch through the ages. I'm going, no, that's not right. right. The correct answer is Flying with the Cannons. It's a book he got from Ron. Oh, I thought that's the book he gave to Ron. No, you're correct, though. Mm, dang it. In the next chapter... There was a couple things I noticed. One was in Rita's article, she refers to Colin Creevy as his close friend. And this just made me very happy. Uh, I like Colin. It was probably Colin's shining moment throughout the entire <laughs> series. Actually, if you want to take it back a chapter, <laughs> I feel like uh, Colin wins the award for worst timing in the entire <laughs> series when he comes into the dungeons and announces literally to everybody while trying to tell Snape, hey, we need Harry Potter out for champion business. And uh, he says, Colin, you know, he's- like, he just like defies Snape. He's like, no, this is more important. I don't care about your class. (laughs) Yeah, this is more important than potions, Snape, than your stupid antidotes. (laughs) Also, in this chapter, Hermione, there are people making fun of Hermione, and she tells Harry to ignore them. But I've also noticed kind of, this is Hermione's thing. She is constantly telling Harry to ignore them. And that's what she does. She just ignores the people making fun of her and just moves on. She does. She's quite good at it. The only time we really see her crack is actually, I think it's in this chapter. I could be wrong, but I think it's in this chapter when curses are being exchanged. And I think Malfoy hits her with an engorgement charm on her teeth. Mm-hmm. And that's when she goes to Snape to, you know, show that what had actually happened. And Snape says, you know, I see no difference. And she kind of cracks a little. She tears up and she just runs off. That's really the only time we see anything start to affect her like that. Snape is a jerk. Yeah, that was rude. Snape is just mean to everyone. Except Slytherins. (laughs) It might be easier to get past a dragon if he were a ferret. (laughs) Which he's not wrong. Callbacks and logic combine into beauty. Also, Bagman is clueless. He almost forgets to tell them about the eggs. Which is the whole point of the first task. This is his one job, and he almost failed to do it. Literally. (laughs) Also, in doing so, he is late to make the announcements, which is, well, his other one job. (laughs) I feel like Harry's quote in this chapter when Moody kind of pulls him aside and says, you know, play to your strengths. Harry says, I haven't got any strengths. And just immediately, he immediately says, I Mm -hmm. haven't gotten any strengths. I feel like I relate to that. (laughs) Cedric is pacing in this chapter. There's no, nothing... Beyond that, he's just pacing. I pace a lot, and people always are asking me if I'm nervous, and no, that's not the reason I pace. I just pace. Yeah, it's 
boring to just stand still. It, it is. I also feel that it's almost unfair that Harry got chosen to go last. I mean, I know it was a fair draw, <laughs> but that Harry got chosen to go last in the first task and having to listen to all the other champions play by play without watching and just that increasing his anxiety and making the images in his head maybe worse than what they really truly were. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was just cruel and unusual. I, I almost feel like this whole task would have been better if none of them actually knew what they were in for. But they all did. But because they all did, it did nothing but increase their anxiety. It did not really help them prepare much. Not really. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit, but... It, it seemed more like the challenge was more about the buildup of anxiety than it was actually fighting the dragons. Yeah. While Harry was fighting the dragons, Bagman was shouting something but Harry's ears were not working properly anymore. Listening wasn't important. People don't seem to understand that listening isn't always important. That's why I stopped listening. Especially constantly listening. I mean, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to tune stuff out. Also, Crumb hurt the dragon eggs. Yeah, some of them got squashed. I'm glad he got points taken off. He's a cheater and he hurt the dragon eggs. <laughs> and after, uh, after Ron and Harry kind of reconcile after the first first task and Hermione running up and like giving them both a big hug and crying and saying you two are so stupid and then turning around and running off while crying I don't know why but that is so funny to me <laughs> that's so very unhermione like Pigwidgeon is very overexcited at the idea of a delivery he's excited to prove himself how Pigwidgeon doesn't have multiple heart attacks, I don't know. <laughs> this tiny owl is constantly so excited about everything and then succeeds in carrying things. To me, I envision Pigwidgeon as like the chihuahua of owls. <laughs> yes. Winky is having trouble adjusting. Yep, this is the chapter when we find out that uh, both Winky and Dobby are in fact at Hogwarts. And Winky, I feel so bad for Winky in this chapter because she is having a trouble adjusting. This is a specific quote that Dobby says, but it is very much something I feel like I've gone through many times. Adjusting's hard. Change is hard. Change is stupid. We call it transitioning in our household. <laughs> <laughs> also, Dumbledore gave Dobby permission to call him dirty words. <laughs> and Dobby does this. And basically giggles like a child who is allowed to say a dirty word. I think it's cute. I think he's just enjoying his newfound freedom that he's never had. We also see uh, Rita on Hogwarts grounds in this chapter where she is not supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And she worms her way into getting an interview with Hagrid. Mm -hmm. And something that bothers me is that the kids, the Golden Trio, are favorites. Ron, Harry, and Hermione don't even try to warn Hagrid to not talk to this woman. No. They know she's foul. They know she's terrible. It, it's one of those things where, on one hand, yes, I wanted them to speak up. But on the other hand, you don't speak in front of her because she will turn it around on you. They had plenty of time to warn him. True. I feel like... I feel like in this book, I'm seeing a lot of examples of not being very good friends. Yeah. And it bothers me. Also, she got a lot of bad stuff from this interview that she could have used and then instead held on to it till she got something better to use this interview in that article. 
Because mm-hmm. she didn't immediately publish it. She waited till she found out he was half giant and then published the stuff she found in the interview. And made it all seem a lot worse than it really was. He was a half giant that was obsessed with dark, mystical creatures. Yada yada. I was just really disappointed in the golden trio is all. Not a lot in this next chapter. This is the chapter where you find out about the Yule Ball. Which, I'm also kind of confused as to why- There are so many things that they find out from teachers in class that I'm like, why is this not like a school-wide announcement? I'm sure all the heads of houses had to make the announcements to their houses. But this wasn't made to the house, it was made to one class. Oh, Oh, that's true. But she says to Harry, You are a Hogwarts champion, and you will do what is expected of you as a representative of this school. Yeah, McGonagall is not taking any crap on the Yule Ball. It's like a weird cross between school pride and refusing to break the rules. And... I like that in her. Yeah, no, we love McGonagall. She is the best. It's almost like, we don't have Quidditch, so you're gonna do this for me instead. Yep. You have to represent the school this way now. Get some more pigwidgeon. (laughs) Then when Dobby comes and wakes him up, it says, Wondering what had caused his abrupt return to consciousness, he opened his eyes and saw something with large round green eyes staring back at him in the darkness. (laughs) I have woken up this way before with my cat. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, mean, I feel like most cat owners have. <laughs> my cat does that all the time if I sleep in. She just... I love the description as an abrupt return to consciousness. <laughs> also, I thought it was weird that Dean, Seamus, and Neville just kind of accept that Dobby is there. As if Dobby's appearance in their room is normal, even though... I feel like this is the first time it's happened like this. I think you're right. Yeah, no, they weren't perturbed at all. He surely doesn't think we'd care about him being half giant. But it seemed that Hagrid did care. Mm-hmm. I love this contrast because it shows that the trio doesn't care, but Hagrid does. It's a nice contrast that is very... it describes emotions. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Another Hermione, (laughs) haven't you been listening to what Professor Binns has been telling us about goblin rebellions? The answer is no, of course not. (laughs) And Hermione subsequently being um, impatient with the other two that they haven't been listening. And this is something, I, I feel like I have had this conversation before of, well, so throughout high school, I was in, when it came to like math and English and science classes, I was in what they called basic, which I did not know what that meant. I just thought it wasn't advanced. It wasn't until I tried to take um, physics in my senior year that I realized that basically this is a special version of the classes that are basically for people with IEPs. So it's not like special ed, but it isn't really the regular classes either. Mm. And so basically I was in the classes with all the ADHD kids, which that doesn't seem like a smart way to handle that at all. But basically I was confused as to why we kept learning the same thing every single year and no one seemed to remember any of it except me. And then I was annoyed because I was the only one who understood it. So it was frustrating. I did really good in physics, by the way. I liked physics. I can see you liking physics. It's like science and math together. Ugh. 
makes me shudder to think about. <laughs> and then Dumbledore talking about Aberforth after his incident with the goats. Did Aberforth hide? No, he did not. No, he did not. He held his head up proudly. <laughs> but I don't know if he should have, because... Yeah, you might <laughs> should have went into hiding for a little bit, man. <laughs> So far, the only overall thought I have in this book is there is a large amount of sexism and it's really annoying. Especially coming from J.K. Rowling. Yes, it, it's reading this second part has been very frustrating because it's like seeing this influence throughout this book. It's also very accurate and true to how kids of this age would act in this time period. But it's also very frustrating and annoying. I agree. So let's talk about autism wizards. Again, this month, there wasn't a whole lot going on with the pandemic and everything, and most people just being awful. But I did find a nice story about a 17-year-old Noah who is on the spectrum, and he got his first job at Publix during the pandemic as a bagger. Very nice. He went to the University of South Florida Center for Assistive Rehabilitation and Robotic Technologies to learn to stock Ooh. shelves. Yeah. This this was not this was more of a, a study and not a degree program. It was just he learned how to stock shelves with the use of a robot at the South Florida Center for Assistive Rehabilitation and Robot Technologies. It just makes me very happy that such a place exists. Way to go, Noah. If you would like to join our conversation, if you found metaphors that we missed that you would like to talk to us about, or if you have a autism or Harry Potter related story you want to share with us, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can send us owl mail at spewcast at gmail.com, or you can send us a howler by uh, sending us a voice recording there or clicking the link in the description, or you can call our voicemail line at 407-706-SPEW. That's 407-706-7739. Mm -hmm. We are also on Twitter, at Spectrum People. We are on Facebook. Our handle is facebook.com slash spewcast. We are also on Instagram at spewpod and TikTok at spewcast. Our theme music is by Joan Burke. And until next time, I'm Queerness. And I'm Lavender. And as Luna Lovegood says, don't worry, you're just as sane as I am. Bye. Bye.